Jor's Mask, Chapter 49, Great Bay Temple. The sea foam whipped through Link's hair as he clung to his palm tree. Their steeds shot through the ocean like a bullet. If the boy dared let go, the bay would swallow him whole. He wasn't sure how a massive turtle gained so much speed, but Tattle was not taking any risks either. She buried herself in Link's tunic fabric, gripping the green cloth. Amidst the onslaught of ocean water, it was a beautiful morning. The second day's rain hadn't reached Western Termina yet. Link caught glimpses of the bay's blue-green hue from above the turtle's shell, and even though he was drenched, the sun kept the chill at bay. The smells of salt and sea soothed him. For a moment, all the death and darkness felt far away. I've never been in open water like this, the boy thought. Hyrule's kingdom featured an expansive river and lake, but he'd never been at sea. I would like to travel the sea one day, in this life or another. There was peace in its expanse. Link's silent, blissful journey did not allow for conversation. They each braced themselves against the foam and did not speak over its crescendo. The boy knew Evan remained behind him, clinging to the other palm tree. He was their one tag-along from Zora Hall. I'll protect him from whatever curse lies in this temple, the boy thought. Though monsters were not their only threat, Evan had gripped his chest in pain throughout the first day, and he still wasn't forthcoming about why. <sighs> I'll have to trust him for now. Then, the dark cloud was upon them. The sun's brightness and the breeze's joy diminished. Link gripped the bark of his tree harder. As the curse's looming shadow fell over them, one thought permeated the rest. Will we pass through unharmed? The turtle had seemed confident. Link looked back to see the Zora named Evan looking as resolute as ever. The turtle's head, which had served as a wedge to protect them from the worst of the waves, knelt as they approached the magic swirling black madness. The giant maintained its speed while they passed from natural day to cursed night. Immediately, the cloud stung Link's eyes. Link closed them, drawing himself closer to the tree. The dark wind cut through him and chilled him to the bone. Tattle struggled to hold on as the gale savagely lashed at them. Link hoped Evan could hang on too. The hero could only keep his eyes closed and brace himself. It took far too long for the cold, unnatural darkness to end. The heavy winds faded with it, but daylight did not replace it. Instead, they found themselves indoors. The turtle finally slowed down as it waded into a small harbor with a roof and walls. It was made entirely of metal, and behind them, a large open doorway revealed the dismal storm's continued rampage. Nothing else was visible of the outside world. Link finally let go of the palm trees as the turtle stopped at the walkway's edge. Tattle floated up beside him as Evan relaxed, too. The hero's arms were sore from holding on so tightly, and it would take a while for him to feel dry again. The turtle lowered his head once more to create a ramp onto the adjacent floor, and Link and Evan carefully worked their way down the ancient being's neck. Once they were safely off, the turtle's great black eyes blinked at his passengers. The magic here is dark, but time is short, and I sense that you bring magic here that is darker still. 
Link's stomach churned, but now was not the time to discuss his scar. Good luck. May the gods be with you. The turtle then heedlessly returned to the storm, using his great fins as paddles to pull into the immense darkness. Link, Tattle, and Evan exchanged glances, surprised by their ride's departure. Only two torches crackled with life near a closed doorway on the harbor's other end. How are we planning on getting out? Evan asked, looking somewhat perturbed at the departing turtle. Every time we've slayed a monster so far, they've left behind a mess that teleports us out, Tattle said. At least, I'm assuming that's what happened in Snowhead too. The boy nodded. Well, there you go! The gods won't help us kill anything, but they'll promptly roll out the blue light of luxury after the job's done. Evan furrowed his brow. I take it you've done this many times before. Oh, Link's a pro, Tattle said. This is only his third temple here, but in Hyrule, he went through, uh, uh how, how many exactly? Five, Link said. Although, I like to count the three places I went to before time traveling as well. Heaven's confusion increased tenfold. Hyrule. Time travel? Yeah, Tattle said. We'll have to give you the abridged version soon. We've had all sorts of confusing loons after us. The plot gets more complicated every time we meet a new one. Evan smiled. <laughs> I'll do my best to avoid earning a place on the list of loons. Well, you haven't shot fire from your hands or turned us into puppets, so that's a start. Tattle spun back to Link. Shall we press onward, oh hero of time? The hero led them toward the door on the room's opposite end. It was dark blue and seemed to glow, lacking a handle and designed to blend in with the temple's metal walls. Link pressed it inward and the door slid back into a groove. He lifted it, allowing the party to pass into the next hallway. The walls were lined with pipes, and water dripped from the ceiling into puddles on the smooth metal floor. So, Evan, Tattle said, failing to sound casual as they walked. Yes. You don't have any medical conditions we should know about, do you? Like, I don't know, reoccurring pain in one area? That might be relevant to our journey? Given how physically demanding it is, we would have asked you to fill out the health information form, but Link left them at the office. Evan looked perplexed as they reached another doorway at the hall's end. I used to get headaches when I was younger. Tattle sighed. Right, headaches. When you were younger. Good to know. Otherwise, I'm pretty healthy. You feel capable of performing all tasks you go about performing on a daily basis? Yes. Link pushed the next door in and revealed the following room. Fantastic, Tattle said. We should have nothing to worry about then. Whoa, that's a huge water wheel! The enormous room clanked with the steady rhythm of machinery, rivaling even the clock towers. Metal gears lined the walls alongside color-coded pipes. The pipes were starkly red and yellow, and water seeped between the different segments bolted together. The three adventurers walked onto a metal platform surrounded by water. Pressurized fountains released jets along each side, and on the room's other end, a doorway promised even more mechanical temple. Link, Tattle, and Evan looked at it all in awe. 
more torches' reflections shimmered in the water, and the entire place smelled profoundly wet and rusty. The hero had never seen a metal place like this flooded with so much water. It felt like a bad combo. How many times have you been here before? The fairy asked the Zora. Three. What kept bringing you here? Paying homage to our god. This place doesn't look very spiritual or sacred, the hero thought, though he figured the definition of sacred was up to interpretation. They walked across the metal bridge, which was uncomfortably narrow. Thankfully, the water was right there and promised to cushion any fall. Tattle lingered on a water wheel as they passed it, watching it turned inquisitively. The next room was equally as impressive, but much larger. It was circular. The ceiling stretched far above them, and the bottom was submerged in a pit of water. Another narrow bridge led from their ledge to a door on the other side, and beneath the bridge, a massive machine turned underwater, churning the man-made well with powerful metal fins. It created a current that spun counterclockwise, and it was far noisier than any gear they'd seen before. There was no obvious reason for this machine to exist and spin enough water to quench an entire kingdom. It could sate all of Hyrule Village for months on end, and that was without any water from the sky to replenish it. This seems excessive, Tattle said, watching the lethal waves spin and lap onto their ledge. Their level was right at the water's surface, but the churning well was incredibly deep. That room behind us powers this, but why? It's a trial, Evan said, but it's not something we do anymore. Years ago, all young, brave Zoras would come here and try to make it to the chamber at the end. Those who did were deemed Zoran heroes. Like Mikau? Link asked. No. He was a descendant of famous heroes who had passed these trials. He had the potential, but heroes weren't necessary anymore. Seems to me you guys were wrong about that. Tattle said. And it looks like someone forgot to turn off the trials so visitors can reach the end normally. She was right. The door leading onward was on the immense room's opposite end. A metal ladder climbed up to it, but a waterfall enveloped the rungs with incredible pressure. People who tried to reach the door would immediately be pulverized by the water's force. We must dive in, Evan said, walking up to the ledge. He looked into the swirling water with a faint smile. What? Tattle exclaimed. You'll probably get sliced up by those fins, and that current's strong. Even if I could swim, I need to be a professional to fight that current. You can wait behind, Evan said. There's no other way to move through the temple. We can't just leave her here, Link said. Evan frowned. Then I guess we just stand here. No need to get sassy, Mr. Bandleader, Tattle said. We'll figure something out. You could always do what the eggs did, Link said, and ride sealed away in my human form. Tattle's face darkened, but Evan didn't flinch. He seemed surprisingly adept at keeping up with their strange conversations about magic. Link kept his attention on Tattle. The eggs were fine when I took my mask back off, so you'd be fine too. Yeah, she said uncertainly. You're probably right. Link smiled reassuringly, removing a bottle from his bag. 
Ready to get shoved in? Just like old times. You mean like the time you shoved me in or the time the masked salesman did? Link's smile faded and so did Evans. Right, right, Tattle said. Touchy subject. This time, I'll fly myself in. She did just that, and Link corked the bottle, placing it into his bag as he retrieved his Zora mask. It's going to be fine, Tattle. You can transform whenever you want to? Evan asked. Yes. The boy paused. I realize it might be weird for you to watch me turn into Mikau, but I'd never make it through these temples without my masks. Evan looked away. It is odd. You were really close to him. Evan kept staring at the water. Yes. Link felt Tattle stir in her bottle and decided to move the conversation along. We should get started. The boy placed the mask over his face, and then he was a Zora. His bag vanished, along with his fairy. The Zora with the long green head looked at the one without. After you. Evan dived in, and Mikau followed. The current instantly grabbed them both. It swept the two Zoras downward and into an ungraceful tumble. Link tried to steady himself with his fins and aquatic limbs, but the whirlpool denied him any release. He shot onward through the water, nauseous as the blades spun nearby. They narrowly avoided slicing their visitors in two. Even Link's Zora body struggled to take in the water and breathe. He choked on Great Bay Temple's trial as he tried orienting himself. And then, Evan grabbed him. The vertigo faded as the other Zora's face came to clarity. They both zipped through the current, but Link realized Evan had surrendered to the water's force. It took them around the giant room beneath the propellers as Evan had angled his body to embrace the machinery's will. His steady hand offered Link the same. He obliged, angling his body to zip alongside his companion. The water was much easier to breathe after that. Thanks, Link said, still a little queasy. Of course, Evan said. It takes a while getting used to breathing and talking underwater, let alone when you're in crisis. <laughs> uh, yeah, the hero said, wondering how long ago Evan had gotten used to those things. We should still look for a way out before we get sucked into those blades. Fighting against the current was now impossible, so they couldn't swim back to where they dived in. Link examined the underwater chamber with Evan. There were passageways built into the walls. The never-ending current had looped them past the same doorways multiple times. Which one should we take? Link asked. Evan picked one seemingly at random, though Link trusted the instincts of their group's only native. The current was strong enough to carry them through the new corridor. Its influence slowly died as they passed bright green and red pipes along the walls. Eventually, it emptied out into a bigger room. They were still underwater, and Link and Evan situated themselves upward now that they were no longer in motion. A confusing tangle of pipes greeted them, so they both swam for the nearby surface. Before he could reach it, a sharp pain interrupted Link. The Zora turned to find a fish skeleton, reanimated with magic, latched onto his arm. Its sharp teeth had pierced his skin, and Link flailed his limb around to knock the creature off. Its bright, orange eyes looked at him stupidly as it bit down. Link grabbed it with his other hand, and the fragile creature immediately broke apart. 
Whatever magic had held it together vanished, and lifeless fish bones now floated to the water's surface. The hero turned to see Evan in danger as well. Two more fish skeletons had found him, one biting into each of his arms. The band leader failed to free himself, so Link leveled his fins at the enemy. They shot out like boomerangs, tore through the monsters, and returned to their hero. Small trails of blood followed the Zora's limbs, though their enemies had none to spill as they died. Thanks, Evan said, examining his wounds. I didn't see them coming. Link scanned their underwater domain and saw no sign of further attackers. Let's go before more show up. Both Zoras swam to the top, breaking the water and finding a platform. They climbed onto its slick metal surface. Behind them, the water chamber was much smaller than the massive abyss in the previous room. A door was on the far end, and pipes and ledges made a scattered bridge that led to it. Classic trial material, Link thought. He didn't know why so many architects were obsessed with creating platforms you had to hop between in both Hyrule and Termina. Someone had a vendetta against even floors. Link noted that Evan kept staring at his injured arm with amazement. It should be fine, the hero said, unsure if Evan was fascinated or afraid. Those monsters were all bones, so I don't think they can infect us. Evan nodded. Huh. Zora flesh heals really quickly, he said absently. Link furrowed his brow. Y yeah He turned to his own arms and the marks were still there, but the clam bite from the pirate's fortress had left no scar. These wouldn't either. So, yours should be better in no time, right? Yes, Evan said. I hope your fairy is similarly unscathed. Oh! Link took his mask and was a boy again. He retrieved the bottle, removed the cork, and allowed Tattle to fly out. Her light was still on, and the hero sighed with relief. Though, she did fly out looking dazed and cautious. Are you okay? The boy asked. Yeah, Tattle said vacantly. She looked at the human and then the Zora, as if not really seeing them. I'm... I'm fine. Where'd you go? I... I didn't go anywhere. I was in your bag and... Then I woke up. And now I'm here. Even though I don't remember falling asleep. I doubt she went anywhere. Evan said. Sounds like she... Stopped existing. For a minute. Link's stomach sank. That can't be good for anyone. He thought. Well, it happened all at once for me, the fairy said, blinking the dreariness away. My mind's so foggy. I haven't felt this way in a long, long time. She winced as if some unseen pain struck her. How long was I out? Maybe two minutes, Link said. If that... We jumped in the water and followed the current through a tunnel and came here. Fascinating, Tattle said. I'm gonna need some Chateau Romani as soon as possible to clear my head. You didn't happen to save any, did you? Link smiled. Something tells me Chateau Romani doesn't have a long shelf life in Oblivion World or wherever my stuff goes. Tattle frowned. 
bread and water goes in there and you eat all that just fine. She sighed. <sighs> just don't make me go there again, okay? I don't love the idea of my brain turning into curdled milk. The cloud of darkness grew steadily closer. The veil met its sinister presence with a predator's gaze. You may have stolen my eggs and killed my sisters, she thought. But you will not escape justice. I will slit your throat while your back's turned. You have lost the privilege of an honorable death. The ocean breeze and brilliant sun were familiar comforts to Avail, but she would not let herself enjoy them until her mission was complete. She had four other pirates in the small boat, each equipped with paddles as they cut through Great Bay. Avail kept her scimitars in her lap, honing her mind with a warrior's focus as they neared the journey's end. Her bow and quiver remained securely fastened to her back, too. The demon child would be offered no chance of escape. Avail's focus broke when pain seared through her stomach. The pirate placed a hand over her wound to stifle the flare. For now, the injury was a reminder that she'd been given life. <sighs> the gods gave me a chance to seek vengeance, she thought, and I will have it. She remained in the boat's center as her warriors paddled. One attendant had dared to mention their deal with the Skull Kid, that they'd promised to split the temple's treasure in half with him after stealing the eggs. But Avail had decided they no longer answered to him. The imp had gone missing. So if he ever returned to claim his bounty, so be it. We'll be ready for that too, Avail thought. Dangerous children with dark magic were everywhere in Termina these days. The pirates would no longer bend to them. Avail, should we keep going? One of her warriors spoke from the boat's front. The curse had become a looming wall of swirling death. Even the ocean's beauty had dwindled to a cowering infant before it. Yes. Avail would not let weather end her righteous quest for vengeance. Her warriors knew better than to question her again. A few moments passed, and then... Their slender, wooden vessel swayed dangerously to one side. Her party shifted their weight to bring it back to center. Avail ignored her crew's uneasiness after that. Straight ahead, she said. The wind's lethal howl crescendoed. The sun vanished as a gust's deadly lash struck above their heads. Ice settled into their bones as they pressed into darkness, and the boat started trembling again. Avail? The same warrior said. We have to turn back! The pirate leader swallowed her fear. We have sailed and worse. You are trained for- But this is different! Her subordinate interrupted. I think the storm wants to destroy us. Avail considered. The crew noticed her hesitation, and they all turned to face her, costing them a few precious paddles as the wind roared around them. This is why I do not waver, she thought. This is not the time for doubts, she said. Look straight ahead, and... Violently, the storm ripped them from the water, boat and all. Its force reflected the strength of a mighty hand, flinging them aside like trash. Avail did not have a chance to grab onto anything. Immediately, all became dark chaos. Pain, 
and nausea overwhelmed her as the water drew further away. She heard her sister screaming, but soon they became specks lost to the storm. A veil spun alone as she screamed herself. She was helpless before the wrath of the deadly curse, and even the gods' divine sanction of her mission could not save her. She screamed into the void. Eventually, she slammed into a hard surface. A veil expected death, but instead, she felt water rising around her. The ocean, she thought. I landed in the ocean. She choked on salt, and the pirate quickly used her limbs to stop herself from spinning. Her stomach injury tried to paralyze her, but she persisted. Her skin was red-hot and sore as she neared the surface. It was so dark, no trace of the sky remained. Or the wind, she realized. The water was suddenly calm. A veil swallowed her urge to cough and broke the waterline, only spitting up the seawater then. Each breath was harsh and ragged, and she barely had stamina left to tread water. She realized she'd been blown into a metal room. It was a bay with one end open to the mighty storm. She looked for reprieve and found a ladder closer to the building's inside. A veil swam, crying as her body ached with each stroke. Don't stop! Don't stop! If she did, she would die. She would drown inches from safety. The dark storm howled from behind her as each stretch of her arm was more painful than the last. A large piece of wooden debris flew into the bay with her, slamming into a walkway's edge and shattering. Thankfully, it missed her, though a veil thought she glimpsed one of her sisters among the wreckage. The pirate leader disregarded it. Her eyes and mind were set on one thing only. Her weak fingers wrapped around the ladder's first rung. A veil pulled herself up and collapsed onto the metal pier. She cried there for a time, unable to move. Two torches burned on either side of her, ignorant of her wet, broken body. Once the will to move returned, a veil shifted onto her side. Her leg did not comply, so she had to scoot herself against a nearby wall for support. Her bow and quiver pushed against her back, still firmly attached. Her weapon's reassuring weight stifled her silent tears. She removed her bow to find the string soaking wet, along with all the fletchings on her arrows. <laughs> it's a miracle the storm did not take these from me. She thought. Her scimitars were long gone, and her seafaring attire had been reduced to tattered rags. The wind had lashed many cuts into her skin and drawn blood. Her leg still throbbed threatening to take her ability to walk. Then, a veil dared to look at the boat's wreckage, which had flown in after her. A corpse floated beside it. A veil's next exhale was laced with pain and grief. Have I lost my right to lead? So many had died on her watch these past 24 hours, and now she'd been battered and abandoned by a storm, left to die in a temple. There was no boat to return to Great Bay. She wagered the storm would stay indefinitely. So what could she do? Live, she thought. The right to rule had been taken from her. Her sisters had too, and she'd been left grievously wounded. 
but divine purpose still tethered her soul to her body. No curse or storm could steal that from her. I will try my bow and arrows with these torches, she thought, and I will accept my final purpose, to be a weapon. Nothing else mattered beyond ridding the world of a terrible blight. This was about more than pride, leadership, or survival. This was a holy mission. In this temple, a shape-shifting boy wielded dark magic for nothing more than murder, manipulation, and sacrilege. If a veil did not kill him, then he would cast Great Bay's dark storm over all of Termina. A veil would persist. She would slay the Dark Wizard and bring peace to the world. Tattle's mind was still sluggish. How in the name of Din did those eggs survive in Link's mask void for so long? She wondered. Apparently, not existing for two minutes really did a number on a person's brain. Unless that brain wasn't fully developed yet. Someone better keep a close eye on how those Zors age. Are you okay, Tattle? The fairy looked down at the boy. She still wasn't used to his lack of a green hat. His blonde hair was matted with dried seaweed. And he stank. Badly. But she'd keep that thought to herself. Floating in a ball of light gave her an unfair advantage when it came to cleanliness. Tattle turned to the Zora next, who stood much taller beside the human hero. I'm fine, she said. Just promise me I won't have to disappear into that thing again. I promise, Link said, deadly serious. What if we have to swim underwater again? Evan asked, furrowing his brow. If the alternative is being trapped in this temple forever... As the resident authority on being trapped in oblivion, the decision has been made, Tattle said. Be my guest if you'd like to climb into his bag, curl into a ball, and experience it yourself. Evan merely retained his puzzled expression. He withheld whatever response came to mind. Huh, he's learning fast, Tattle thought. If you join the party late, rebuttal privileges take 72 hours to take effect. Which blessedly was just enough time to reset the cycle and ensure that never happened. Link, Evan, and Tattle had entered a new chamber and stepped onto another large platform. If this hadn't been a temple designed to infuriate its visitors and endanger their lives, a ramp would have led to the second story's door no problem. Instead, the ramp was missing. There was a gaping hole that hovered above a pool of water. One red and one green pipe diverged from the maze running along the walls, jutting out to point upward in the middle of the gap, spaced one after the other. Nothing came out of them, but given that they were faced upward, they seemed broken and misplaced. The tiny pipe openings were too small for Link to jump from one to the next in any of his forms. There was no way to cross the gap and reach the next door. Thankfully, there was a ramp leading to the pool below them. Another puzzle, Tattle said, gesturing them to follow the path down. Great! I will never understand why gods like to watch their worshippers leap between dangerous platforms and look for keys guarded by monsters. Evan gave her another curious look. If I ever became god, Tattle continued, the Temple of Tattle will have luxurious chairs on the beach, and instead of monsters, we'll have a staff of well-compensated attendants that give massages and cook fine meals. Link smiled. 
I found it's best to just nod in agreement when she's going on these tangents, he said to Evan. Tattle scoffed. I'm just saying, if I was an all-powerful god, I'm not sure why I'd want my worshippers drowning, maiming, and decapitating themselves all to boost my ego. When they reached the first floor's underside, they stood before the small pool. Inside, a large seaweed colony swayed, clawing at the pond's surface from beneath the still water. A slab of stone was on the platform with them, tethered to the center of rotation. Its two sides were fashioned into heavy golden fins. The red and green pipes led down there and were latched into its center, and turning the fins promised to activate the pipes. However, the stone constructs looked unreasonably heavy. This looks like a job for non-fairies, Tattle said. Link narrowed his eyes and turned to Evan. Wanna help me? Evan nodded, and the boy stood behind one fin while the Zora approached the other. It pushed to turn the fins clockwise, though the mechanism wouldn't budge at first. It took some concentrated effort before it moved slightly, and then stone grated on stone as it spun. Tattle watched as, on the floor above, water began to spill from the red and green pipes other end. Once the fins had turned 180 degrees, the water jutted out with extreme force. The fairy flew up to see that the spouts of water ended level with the missing ramp, promising to be stepping stones to the other side. Oh, you did it! Tattle exclaimed. Of course, Link said, walking to join her up top. We're not fairies, after all. Tattle rolled her eyes. Oh, don't get cocky. You apparently have to walk on water now. Once Link and Evan had joined her, they examined the new pseudo-pathway to make the same discovery. The water's pressure was high, and each spout's end fanned out to form a platform. Whatever mechanism channeled the water likely was too advanced for Tattle to understand. The pressurized water should have gone straight into the ceiling like a bullet, instead of stopping conveniently at platform level. Whoever made these probably made the hookshot, she thought, defying one law of the universe at a time. Well, the fairy said, if you fall, you'll just land in the water below us, so you can try again and again, for forty hours or so at least, when the cycle ends. She turned to see that Link wasn't amused, and neither was Evan. Evan seems to have picked up on this time travel stuff pretty quickly, Tattle thought. That, or he'd already given up trying to find logic in her sense of humor. Hmm. I can go first, Evan said eventually. Are you sure? Link asked. Yeah, I've been a Zora longer than you, so it'll be easier. He smiled, running for the ledge and leaping off. Evan landed on the first water platform, and he swiftly used the pressure to propel himself to the next. After jumping a second time, he made it to the other side. Well done, fine sir, the fairy said, flying over to join the Zora. I give you a perfect score, Evan retained his smile in reply. Your turn, Dekohead, Tattle said, though you might want to let me cow give it a shot. She realized how insensitive that joke might have been to Evan, but... He didn't seem to care. Link shook his head. I can do it as a human. No, you can't, she thought immediately. Link! But he was already going for it. Link jumped onto the first jet and propelled himself to the second, but his human body proved too heavy. His feet were blown out from underneath him. Link spun long ways until the pressurized steam blasted right into his face. He fell the length of the gap until he landed in the distant pool. 
Tuttle peered over the edge to see their hero floating in defeat. What an idiot, she said, flying down to him. I'll make sure he's okay. Link overcame his shock and began swimming to the surface, but something stopped him. At first, Tuttle thought it was seaweed that had caught his ankle, but the boy visibly struggled against it from beneath the water. She watched as more long green plants slithered around his legs as if they had a will of their own. That's not seaweed, Tuttle realized in shock. Ah! She exclaimed. The fairy flew to the water's surface, but she couldn't dive in after him. Link was all alone as he fought against a second and third green arm that constricted him, pulling him away from air. The hero's fighting became frantic as he ran out of breath. Link! There was a crash behind her. Evan had leapt from the high ledge and dove in. She watched as Azora wrestled with the animated seaweed, tearing at it with his fins and fists. Evan was quick to pull Link free, swimming to the surface with the boy in his arms. Oh, oh you got him! Tattle exclaimed, but Evan did not stop to greet her. He swam with Link to the nearest ledge, pulling Link to safety. The boy turned to his side and coughed up water, now soaking wet. Link, what the din were you thinking? Tattle asked. Why didn't you put on your Zora mask? That was so stupid! Link didn't argue. Instead, he looked to Evan, who was still knelt beside him in concern. <coughs> Thank you, he said, his voice raw. Of all the stupid ways to die, after everything I've done... Evan smiled. Let's try again, but this time, maybe you should wear your mask? Definitely, Link said, newly drenched as he stood. He examined his possessions, moaning when he saw his wet bowstring. Oh, we almost went a whole adventure in Oceanland without your stuff getting wet once, Tattle said. Link begrudgingly stowed the useless bow away, knowing he'd have to dry it out before firing another arrow. His Clocktown bow had been cheap and, sadly, less water-resistant than his others. It'll be okay, <laughs> he said, confirming he had no injuries. Let's keep going. And I'll make better decisions. This time, it was much less eventful. Link donned his mask and skipped across the water spouts as Evan had, who followed him shortly after. Link returned to his human form afterward, and the three of them continued to the next room. It was a long, narrow hallway with no traps, stunts, waterways, or bridges to impede their progress. Thank goodness! Tadal exclaimed. This is how temples should be! Then they wouldn't be very good trials, would they? Evan said. The fairy noted a hint of sarcasm in his voice. Wow, she thought. That joke was low-hanging fruit, but I'll let the rookie have it. Tattle's not a very big fan of temples, Link said, pushing his now darker, saltier hair from his eyes as they walked. If you hadn't noticed. Yes, Tattle said. Though my time in them has been limited to near-death experiences, so I'm a bit biased. You didn't like them before Woodfall, Link said. And you weren't even there for the near-death experiences in Snowhead. You know, we've been in so many near-death experiences that they're all bleeding together. I don't... Heaven? She turned back when she noticed Azora hadn't followed them. Evan stood by himself, staring at the ground. He looked confused, his mouth open and closed uncertainly. Evan? Tattle repeated. Are you all right? 
Zora took a tentative step forward but almost collapsed. He fell against the wall for support and his hand flew to his chest. Evan! Both Link and Tattle leapt to his side. The boy caught him before Evan could slide off the wall and hit the floor. Zora kept grasping at his heart, his face tense with pain as he bared his teeth. Evan! Evan, what's wrong? Link asked. Evan's only response was to brush Link away, barely managing to stand back up. When the Zora's fingers left his chest, Evan revealed a black mark over his heart. It was small, but thin, black fingers crept up his chest, branching out from the original scar. Link gasped, backing away from the Zora. Evan noticed his reaction, still trembling as he covered the mark with his hand again. <laughs> Link. The Zora stammered. What is that? Link asked, dumbfounded. That's... that's what I have! The dark scar was still hidden beneath his tunic and in his Deku and Zora forms. I... <clears throat> Evan grabbed his chest again, doubling over in agony as the black mark spread. I... I wanted to tell you after we saved the temple, but it hurts too much. I need the, the medicine. Please, please forgive me. Evan brought his hands up to his face. There was a flash of light, and when he brought his arms down, Evan's face had become nothing but a frozen wooden visage in a human's grasp. Their true companion was a tall, thin man wearing a black robe. His hood was down, revealing red hair and dark eyes. Despite removing the mask, the man remained hunched over, using the wall for support as if his chest still pained him. I'm sorry, he said, grasping at where Link had struck him with lightning several days ago. The man reached into his robes. I, I just need to... Tattle heard steel scrape against leather, and before she could say anything, Link pressed his gilded sword against the man's throat. The hero pushed his enemy against the wall, forcing the man's gloved hand out of his robes. Evan's mask fell to the floor with a hollow wooden clank. Why are you here? Link screamed. His arms shook violently as he held the sword in place. He barely nicked his victim's neck, drawing a line of blood that ran along his golden blade. The man could only stare back in terror. How? How are you alive? Link! Tattle said. No, shut up! His blue eyes bore into the masked salesman's with nothing but fury. Why are you here? Why?